2: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three, four. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. This isn't like we hope to be.
3: We are going to be there, and I said that when I got here. We will. We, we were going to have a game like tonight, and everybody said two years, two and a half years ago, no way. So we've had first. We've had never I'm up with Tom Pellicero from the field in Seattle in like an hour, but I think. Everything PJ Flex said there in terms of the way the program should think and the way that the fans should think and the way that the coaching staff should think is 100% spot on. And he's done a wonderful job building the program to a point where we can sit and sort of nitpick these small things in a 10 win season, right? Uh, but that's where, That's where I'm sitting at here, Judd Zolgad. I'm sitting at big picture, this is great. Small picture, Saturday, first quarter. Things that should have been done differently, I am ready to roll up my sleeves and nitpick because we are going to start the show. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. The good old-fashioned Mackie and Judd pie chart of blame, and the floor is yours. Let's oh, just start I love the good, show right away. I love a good pie chart of blame. PJ Fleck, big picture. This is different. It's a different Gophers program. And I agree with all those things. We're going to get into the state of the program, but this pie chart of blame is all about why the rock
4: knows how you
3: feel about pie and how they lost to Wisconsin on Saturday. Let's get it all out of our systems
4: and to a degree also why they lost a couple of weeks back when they had a two game lead going into the, uh, into the Hawkeyes game in Iowa City. And what Flex said is fine if the proper reflection is there by the person who said those things to know how to avoid the future downfalls, because um, this is a very unzolgadian pie chart. In other words, not a lot of pieces. Yeah,
3: usually you Ordinaryly have like seven pieces
4: I, oh, of pie. Or I nearly, like, I like six to seven. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I like to pass the uh, the uh, praise around at the uh, Thanksgiving table or the blame around, and yeah. everyone gets a chunk, and someone gets some cool whip, and this is going to be short and sweet. Um, pie chart to blame for what we saw on Saturday in an incredibly disappointing game, not because the Gophers lost, but because of how they lost. If they lose by three points, if they lose by a touchdown, it's a tough loss. And I totally get it. Uh, as I told you when we started our uh, broadcasting day w- with an impromptu Gopher Vent line session, I considered this game to be blowout proof and I was 1000% wrong. So my pie chart looks like this. 75% of my blame goes to PJ Fleck. Wow. It was a awfully co- it was a poorly coached game. Wow. The game plan was poor. Paul Christ had you at every turn. Uh I will sort of sub tweet here um uh Kirk Shiraka the OC, but this is largely PJ's offense. So I'm not going I'm not going to, to take the uh co- coordinator and blame him too much. I'm going to keep that on Fleck. Um, you know, we talked about it. The fourth and two from the 35 first quarter, you're up by seven. The second play from scrimmage was a masterpiece to uh, Bateman. It was unbelievable. And you've got all the momentum. And right then and there, fourth and two from the Wisconsin 35, you sort of give that back. So I'm going 75% PJ Fleck. Yeah. This is a, this is a week of in game reflection for the coach. He knows he can recruit. He can. He knows I think his scheme is really good. It is, but the reflection that has to go here on what went wrong, and ultimately he's got to come back to game planning in-game. 20%, so I'm up to 95% now, goes to uh, Joe Rossi, the D.C. Uh, The defensive game plan certainly lacked. Touchdown one by Wisconsin was poor defensive end. Carter, Carter Coughlin on Jonathan Taylor. Are you serious? And Coughlin almost made the play, but that's not the matchup. And I think Fleck referred to the fact that Coughlin should have made that play. I'm sorry. I There is no way that I'm going to blame a defensive end who ends up on a multi-tier threat like Taylor. Okay, that's not his fault. Yeah,
3: there's Now, there's going to be stuff when you play good teams like Wisconsin. There's going to be stuff that happens, and they just... I mean, when, when Alabama plays Auburn... You know, they're just throwing haymakers at each other, and it's a, it's a race to 45 points sometimes. So, there's there. I think we have to parse apart what are the things that are just going to happen because you're going to give up 20 plus right. points and to that's Wisconsin why, versus like what are the things that you probably could have done a better job preventing from happening. And
4: then, touchdown two was wide receiver essentially on or Thomas Barber, linebacker on a Wisconsin receiver. Also, again, mismatch advantage, Wisconsin. Yeah, great game plan. So I'm putting 20% of my pie chart to blame on the defensive coordinator, Joe Rossi. And then I'm going to give 5% to the players, basically. The player, the players looked. They did not play great. But I really think that this game was more clearly, I think, than almost any big game, fill that I've watched. I think that this game was won and lost in the preparation standpoint and the coaching standpoint.
3: The Rock knows three how you pieces. feel about pie. Only three pieces Very of pie for Judd. Very like. Uh, and I'll give mine here in a second, but uh, we already have a couple people calling in, 651-646-8255. We also want your pie chart of blame. This is a day of therapy for Gopher fans. We are here for you, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, and we're here until 6 o'clock. We have a ton of Viking stuff to get into. But This is also, by the way... This is therapeutic for me, too, by the way. It's a day
4: of lessons. I feel like if you're Fleck, if you're Fleck and you tuned in right now, the because he he's the guy who tries to get the fan base and his players and staff to to reflect I think and be aware and I think when you're doing that constantly sometimes it's very hard for you to sit down and be like oh wait hold on a second here oh, yeah. so I can reflect too and so I think that this is a very important day for PJ Fleck to stop what he's doing right now put it all down you tuned in on what the app perhaps probably, probably the scorner he's app young PJ he's yeah.
3: young PJ's P, you know, He's not going to be on P- AM. There might be some uh, some some for boosters and PJ's parents that listen on AM fifteen hundred, and that's cool too. <laughs> no, no, we're but, not. But, no, but I but do. PJ's a forward thinking guy. He's exactly. Probably got the Score North mobile app, free to download. But I think it's for all the signs, by the way. All these Score North signs I saw on game day. Oh, were Oh, they were great. fantastic. Oh, just amazing. They, were, they were very well made. Yeah, high quality uh, cardboard. Yeah, high quality cardboard, uh, thick font for people to easily see I all throughout college game. Thought day, they they the were tens fantastic. of thousands of people. young people holding them. Agree. Totally. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's amazing. But I do think that, that this is
4: a week in time for reflection as well. Because the great thing about what happened on Saturday, as tough as that was to watch, if you're a Gopher fan, it's fixable stuff. It is. Like, it's not, they didn't get blown out and you're like, oh, you're never going to be that team.
3: Right? Well, let me give you my pie chart here. Because the Rock knows how you feel about pie. You thought you were scaling back on the amount of pieces of pie Called that you Call Brevity. Get. Brevity. Uh, my my pie chart includes two items. Wow, you beat me again. Two items, all right? Yep. 25% of my pie chart of blame for Saturday's Gophers loss goes to Mother Nature. And I'm not making excuses. You're I'm giving, I'm Mother Nature. Gi- I'm giving reasons. I'm giving reasons. The wet and windy conditions made it difficult to hit deep passes to Rashad Bateman, to Tyler Johnson. Uh, it's... If they played that game in, in, I'm not going to say perfect conditions, because you're playing a football game outside in December, you're not going to get perfect conditions. But if it was dry, if it was even slightly above freezing with no wind, the Gophers probably don't struggle so much with their attack. Now, could you come back and say, well, Wisconsin seemed to have no problem throwing the and ball. And you knew it wasn't going to be good. And yep. you knew going in. Yep. but didn't I'm, surprise you. But I'm just saying, if the game was played in... Under different weather conditions, the Gophers, I'm not saying it's a guaranteed win, but the Gophers do not get run out of TCF Bank Stadium in the manner that they did. I'm not trying to make any excuses. I don't feel better. I'm just saying that Mother I'm Nature played. any better right now. Mother Nature. The Rock
4: knows how you feel about pie. It doesn't
3: make me feel better. Played 25% of a her role here. And the other 75%, so you put 75% on P.J. Fleck. I'm, I'm putting 75% on P.J. Fleck for one specific decision. Okay. The decision to punt the ball on fourth and two at the 35-yard line. When that happened, I turned to Seth and Danny. We were watching the game on the other end of the press box from you, right by Barry. Literally sharing a wall right with by- Barry Alvarez's <laughs> private suite. Every time Wisconsin gained three yards on a run up the middle, it was like they won the Super Bowl or something. Just pounding on the desk and yep. screaming. It was it was very annoying. But if you're the Gophers in that spot and you're leading the game seven to nothing, and you're driving. Fairly deep into Wisconsin territory at that point. You're at the 35 yard line of Bucky at that point Mm -hmm. with a chance to go up 10 nothing, 14 to nothing. The crowd's going crazy. The, I think at that point, the weather had a a more negative effect on Wisconsin. Just, I don't know. I mean, the, the Gophers had all the momentum in the, in the world up until that fourth and two play. And so you get to a fork in the road on fourth and two, a chance to step on somebody's throat or a chance to, Pin them deep and let your defense go to work, which is what P.J. Fleck chose. And by the way, I am still a huge supporter of P.J. Fleck. Big picture P.J. Fleck. Come on, therapy but right some, now. some tough love here from the guy that dressed up all week as P.J. Flecker on the office last. Some tough love you here. you would have went for it. I'm talking about game theory here and weighing risk versus reward when making decisions as a coach. I don't like when people judge coaches off of results. I think we should judge coaches off process. Mm-hmm. And the, and the right process in that situation is to correctly weigh risk versus reward and say, all right, what, let's go down the checklist here. I would admit, call a timeout. If if that's, if that's a situation where you're going to burn one of your timeouts and really think about risk versus reward, Mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Okay. The risk for going for it on fourth and two from the 35 yard line, aside from the fumble and interception risk, which is a risk on any offensive play you run. So that's like, you could say, well, what if you throw an interception? But, like, you could throw an interception from your own 10-yard line, and that's even riskier because now now you've given them the ball in, inside the red zone, right? So let's get rid of fumble and interception. I'm talking about field position risk in that spot. If you get stuffed on a run play up the middle, you give them the ball with 65 yards to go until the goal line. And you even said after the game how much you trust your defense, which is why you punt it, right? right? Well, if you trust your defense, to me, the trust should be placed in, hey, we're going to go for it here, take a chance. And we trust that giving them a shorter field, you're going to go to work and do your job, right? That's where the trust should lie. And so the risk was very, very minimal. You give them the ball back, and they still have 5 yards to go until they get to the 40-yard line, 15 yards to go until midfield. I mean, they're only 10 yards past where they'd get the ball on a touchback anyways, right? Correct. You're pretty deep in their territory. Correct. But the reward and the upside of going for it and being successful is possibly... And in my mind, likely ending the game on the spot. If you're up 14 to nothing in that spot, I know that Wisconsin played well at the line of scrimmage. They bullied you around, they out-coached you for the majority of the game, but if you have if you capture that momentum in that moment, you go up by two touchdowns and the crowds into it. And now the weather is probably on your side because now Wisconsin has to be one-dimensional in a spot where they'd really rather not be one-dimensional and they have to come back down 14 points on the road. The game is different if you go for it and you get it and you cash in and you score a touchdown. And That's why P.J. Fleck and that decision... The Rock knows how you feel about pie. ...is 75%. And now they are, if if
4: if you go for it and get it, now they are really backed up. They're down by seven. They are on their heels at that point. So let's take this, too, because, because I think that really a lot of things in modern football pointed to go for it. Fourth and two, go for it. You got stopped, who cares? Go for it.
3: Yes. There would have been no criticism so let's if you get stuffed on that play.
4: But let's take the term game theory and tweak it to this game feel as well. Just a simple feel about I'm at home. My crowd is going crazy. I've got a touchdown, which I, by the way, beat them second play from scrimmage on a beautiful play. Mm-hmm. That was a great play call. You could not start that game with a better play call than, I believe, run, play action, Bateman, bang. Mm-hmm. Okay? So let's take game theory and also go with game feel. In my gut, I know if I can get two, y- two yards, I don't care, long two. He kept saying long two. It's two yards. If I can get those two yards, the feel right there, and what it does is enormous. I just don't see any downside for saying... Let's try this.
3: Yeah, That's when the game ended for me. And doesn't modern football also say, do this? Yeah. I I turned to our guys, just to finish that anecdote from a few minutes ago, I turned to our guys in the press box and I was like, this is absolutely the type of decision that loses you big games. This and burning timeouts when you need them in close games down the stretch. This is the type of decision. you, You can build up your program with recruits. You can coach the hell out of Tanner Morgan. And these are all the things that P.J. deserves so much credit for. And this is why, if he stays and gets better at some of these in-game decisions. I do think they have a chance to play in the college football playoff at some point. There's people looking at this program, 17-year-old kids that never would have looked at this program before. Do you think Rashad Bateman comes and plays for most of the other Gopher coaches that were here before? No. Yeah, I, I just No, he's at Georgia or something like that. He is, in Georgia, and he turned down Georgia to play Absolutely. Here. But in that spot, it's like everything you're doing, this is what's baffling to me. Everything you're doing with this program is forward-thinking, it's modern. It's new, it's fresh, it connects with young people, and the decision-making process in moments like that is antiquated. It's 90s, it's old school, and it doesn't fit. It's very it's, safe. It's, it's, it's incredibly safe. It's cognitive safe. dissonance in my mind. It doesn't make sense. But if you go back now
4: to the Iowa and Wisconsin games and look at his coaching, there are so many big and small things, both, that you can say, if you tweak these things, bang, it's going to change again. hmm and that's that's him. I, I honestly feel that, that the way that Fleck approaches life, which is full speed, right, which in recruiting I think works, in game planning might work as far as schemes go and things like that. But I think the one place where he's at a disadvantage at his age as a relatively young coach right now is that the speed of life to him continues during games. And I think he has a hard time right now processing
3: and slowing things down. Yeah,
4: I think... I to be like, it, okay, hey, you know what? Take a deep breath. Here's what we really should do.
3: Yeah, I think it's imperative as we talk about his message to players being change your best. And, you know, I I personally love his message to players. I think there's a lot of players that whether they play football professionally or not are going to come out after three years, four years, five years and go into whatever profession they go into. And they're probably going to be better human beings and people because P.J. Flett coached them. And if Patrick Rice was sitting next to me, he'd probably slap me for saying that because I'm buying into the hype and drinking the Kool-Aid. But... I believe he is great at connecting with people and kids, and and I I believe he's great at building a brand and a message. And I believe he's got this thing in a direction that it hasn't been in in my lifetime, and they're going to build off of it if he stays here. But I also believe that he's been in the two biggest games since Penn State. He Mm -hmm. has sabotaged them with bad timeouts and a bad fourth down decision and maybe even some bad schematic stuff and that's that's got to get cleaned up but he controls that too for sure so, it's, so very, if, it's easily correctable as christian ponder would say
4: if the quote that you played off the top of the show is to become true and and we are and we don't say oh typical Gophers, typical minnesota sports team if we all say you know what i believe you he controls that mm-hmm. because in the iowa game alone that's a four point game phil in the iowa game alone if he tweaks some in game things here and there, I believe the outcome of that game very well could have been different. Yeah. And so so for him to for him to pay off or for us to pay off what PJ Fleck wants, I think the next step is, okay, next year. Let's see you coach a game where we all say makes sense.
3: I also want to point out, I think, and I tweeted this during the game. When, the, when there was three touchdown lead, and it was very obvious the Badgers were going to win. The Badgers were the better team on Saturday. You could even argue, just based on recruiting rankings, the Badgers have the better roster and players. Um, I don't know if the Badgers have a Rashad Bateman anywhere. Right, in but terms of. Well, actually, uh, I would say that the Badgers and the Gophers both have skill position players that should go in the but first up, round.
4: Up front, the Badgers were damn yep. good on Saturday. That's a really good team.
3: But you can say that that's true. And even with that being the case, you had a chance to go up 14 to nothing or yep. 10 to nothing. You get up fourteen nothing, ten nothing at home, raucous crowd, big time environment, and even if they're a better team and maybe their coaches are scheming better and have put together a better game plan, that's a lot to overcome still. You can still win a game. You have permission to win a game in which the other team is playing well. Six five one six four six eight two five five. We have full phone lines right now. We're gonna go let's let's turn this into a Mackie and Jeb with Rami, go for vent line session. Let's get this out of our systems here. And we've got a lot more to talk about in terms of state of the program. Uh, you have a take that you mentioned a few hours ago on our Score North Gopher show this morning that we need to run through the Hot Take Police Department. I look forward to going to court with them. Hot Take Cops episode coming up. Like it. But Ryan and Fargo, what's your pie chart of blame? Well,
2: I may I may actually do a first for you guys in your pie chart. And this is not a knock on, on PJ Fleck, but I'm going to give it all to him. Because, like you guys
5: said, his mistakes, his calling timeouts, really shot them in the foot. But, but at the same time, now I'm going to go to the good. If you
2: were to tell me in July or August that this team would, A, um, challenge for the Big Ten West, B, be in the Rose Bowl discussion, and most importantly, C, be up there with the likes of Alabama, even if it was for a limited time. For college playoff discussion, that's a pretty, pretty damn good thing. You know what I mean? I mean that's something to be really proud of. Now you build on it.
3: Yes, Ryan. Thank you for the phone call. That's exactly right. Appreciate. That's you. what we're saying. Yes, appreciate you listening. I think it's okay. We, we live in this world where everything is black and white, and if you rip someone, then they're terrible. And if you, I think this is a very nuanced discussion. Really, I mean, big picture, this is all great. It but- is. It
4: is, and keep in mind, too, what P.J. Fleck is saying, though, is he didn't want us, and he does not want us to see the team the way that Ryan just described in July. This whole thing, he's trying to flip. So so the the discussion that we are having now off this one game is, if it's going to flip, how do you get there? Because he doesn't want to talk about, well, we might win six games, seven games. He wants to talk about 10 wins, which is outstanding, 11 wins, bowl wins, but What we saw in Iowa and on Saturday against Wisconsin also is a big part of the discussion of, okay,
3: if you want to get there, how do you get there? Let's go to Mark in Minneapolis. You're on Maggie and Jeb with Rami's gopher vent line. Fire away.
0: So my pie is 100% Wisconsin took ownership of the game because they're a better team. We are, this year we saw such incredible progress that TJ brought this And we're the best of the second tier of the Big Ten West. Everybody knew looking at that schedule that we benefited by not playing Michigan, not playing Ohio State, not playing Michigan State, even though they were a disappointment this year. If we'd put those guys into the mix with this team, we'd be looking at probably an 8-4 type of thing. We would have several other losses, but we, we sealed the deal on all of the other teams that we should be. Nobody. At the beginning of this season, would have said, oh yeah, Minnesota should retain the axe. We should beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin has better athletes up and down that roster. Now that's going to change because PJ can recruit players. And we had a magical ride all the way through when we beat Penn State. Then we get freaking college game day. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> this was the best, this was the best darn season to be a Gopher fan in any of our lifetime. My grandfather, who was born in 1898, was a senior at the University of Minnesota the last time they had 10 wins. So I can't find anything to fault these guys on. It was a magical ride, and he's going to take us on others as we go forward if we don't lose hope in what he's done for this program. Yeah,
3: Mark, that's a great phone call. It's great perspective, and thank you very much. And, and that's the thing. If you could have paused the entire season... Right before the game started, or even just right after Rashad Bateman caught a forty-eight-yard touchdown pass that to up nice. nothing, and you and you look back. And I mean, part of me, as a guy who went there for four years as a student, and and I watched games in the Metrodome. We would we would bus over from Dickeytown in these old school yellow school buses from Dickeytown to the Metrodome, cramming like sardines. And, and I, and I was standing there during college game day and, and had the, the privilege and opportunity to, to sort of be behind the scenes for college game day. And we can talk about that experience later in the show too. And I just had this moment looking around at thousands, uh, thousands and thousands of fans and current students and alumni mm-hmm. and Lee Corso and Kirk Herbstreet and, and the, the entire crew was up there for college game day, Reese Davis. And I just had this wow moment. Like, I didn't think this was going to happen, not necessarily in my lifetime, but certainly not this quickly in the P.J. Fleck era. I thought this would be a five, six year. Maybe at some point you'll be on this national level playing for a trip to potentially the college football playoff Rose Bowl. And it, it, it's pretty amazing the house that he built, P.J. Fleck, in three years. I mean, it's, it's, it was a quicker build to the double-digit win total than at Western Michigan, when he didn't have Ohio States and Michigan's and Wisconsin's and Iowa's to deal with in the conference, I mean, if you in the MAC, honestly, if you just get some recruiting momentum going and you get a couple guys here and there, a Corey Davis, like you're going to beat Akron, you're going to beat Bowling Green. Sure. Sorry, so I'm not to minimize what he did at Western Michigan, but to get to ten wins that quick in the regular season and to beat Penn State at home, it is an amazing ride that he took everyone on. And then the game on Saturday happened, and, I, and I'm not wiping it all the way. I'm just still trying to process how and why Saturday happened because it's not as simple to me as what Mark the caller just said, which is, well, Wisconsin was better. I thought Wisconsin was better too, but not like three, four touchdowns no, they better. weren't that
4: much better. They, they were,
3: if, if the Gophers had lost that game by a
4: field goal, it would have been tough to take if you're a Gopher fan, but you would have said, okay, that stunk, but okay. You were down by three at halftime. And then you got worked for two quarters. And I think what makes this difficult is very, very simple. If you lose to Penn State, then you're like, all right, yeah, you know what? They got through Rutgers and Maryland and Purdue and a lot of of mediocre to bad teams. Nebraska. And then they played a really good team. That was it. But that Penn State day and that game was so magical. And then you go to Iowa, and that was a tough game, and you lose by four. And you're thinking, they could have won that game. Yeah. So there was nothing that set you up for Wisconsin. There was nothing that made you think, you know what I think might happen today? They're going to lose by a lot. There was not. So if they had lost to Penn State, then Wisconsin, you would have come around and said, well, that's disappointing, but they lost to Penn State, they lost to the Hawkeyes, and and then the Badgers finally. So I think it's the Penn State game that set up a feeling of, oh, no, this is possible. That was a huge win. That was, I think now... Unless you take the year that they went to Penn State in 99-1, and I think the win here against Penn State is the biggest Gopher win that I can recall. Maybe the Michigan wins, but this was, I mean, if you think about the fact, the storming of the field and how cool that day was. And and also that they got some luck because the Penn State kid tripped on the 10 himself, which, as I keep saying, is what happens to the golfers ordinarily. So I think the Penn State game is why Saturday was so disappointing. Because if you had asked me on Friday what what are the, the the pie chart of scenarios, I I would have said close loss, close win. I would have never said I think Wisconsin's going to come in and blow them out.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm actually that's shocked why by it's by that hard too. to process. Yeah, so it's like it's it's I think the hardest part to put a bow on this part of it, and then we got We got to get to we're going to get to a bunch more calls here. Go for Ventline in full effect. The rest of the hour we'll mix in a bunch of Viking stuff too. Dave, Jeff, John, we'll get to your calls here shortly. And Judd, a trip to potentially hot take jail for something he said earlier. But what's hard to wrap your head around is no one, no one saw a blowout that way coming. And it's just, it's frustrating if you're invested like I have been and you saw the ride, you saw what was possible if you beat Wisconsin. And it's just sort of hard. To swallow a loss like that without lashing out a little bit—that's how, that's how I watched the last forty-eight hours. It's
4: also tiresome, right? Twins win the division, get the Yankees. Right. We all think it's going to be different. It's not. Yeah. Vikings go go to Philly in two thousand seventeen NFC title game. It's going to be different,
3: right? But, but I think what PJ is building so, is different, and well, I think it, it will. It might be, to but, be but my po-
4: my point is, I don't fault anybody like myself who's tired of the end result being what we saw Saturday. Sure.
3: Uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami. Rami back in the mix tomorrow. Vikings and Seahawks tonight. You can watch it anywhere, and you can listen to our reaction immediately after the game. Judd and I will be hosting Vikings Vent Line later on tonight. Our numbers are 651-646-8255. Consider them the Gopher Vent Lines. We have one open line right now. We'll get to Steve. We'll get to Dave, Jeff, and John. Let's talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota for just a brief moment. I have actually, in a sadistic, masochistic way, I have been very happy to see snowfall and uh, sleet and windy conditions the last few weeks because I've got a four-wheel drive vehicle for the first time in my driving life. I've got a RAV4, a 2019 RAV4, and uh, I just love kind of trudging around in these treacherous conditions and seeing what it's like as a first-time four-wheel drive user. It's great. And, uh, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't take the long way home a couple times the last couple days just to see, uh, see what it's like, you know. I don't want to take it too far and wind up in a ditch because I'm not, you know, I'm not Jeff Gordon. I'm not, am not the world's greatest driver. I'm a safe driver, but you can get into a brand new RAV4 2019. There's great deals all over the lot right now. There are 2019 vehicles priced to move at Luther Brookdale Toyota 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Find out why my family and I have been going to the same place for 30-plus years. More go for Vetline and possibly a trip to hot take jail for Judd Zolgad next. Jonathan here with the Score North download.
1: Score North has already run contests for $50,000 in cash, and we're regularly giving away tickets to local games, gift cards to local restaurants, and much, much more. But in order to reap these rewards, you must have the Score North app available for free right now anywhere in the app. In the Apple or Google Play stores, so go find us over there. Well,
3: started off great. Both matchup nightmares for defensive backs in this conference. Morgan still got it. He'll loft it downfield.
0: Bateman's got it, and the Gophers strike quickly.
1: Uh, that didn't Taylor,
0: win. his third touchdown, and the Badgers punctuating and pulling away from Minnesota.
1: So you have heard Mackey and Judds. Pie chart of blame for what happened on Saturday night between the Gophers and the Badgers. Let us know yours over at Twitter at SKR North on Twitter. Let us know your pie chart of blame for what happened on Saturday night. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie
3: and John with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. Tom Pellicero from Seattle. He'll be he'll be talking to us literally from the field in Seattle pregame in about 30 minutes. Vikings and Seahawks, Vikings Vent Line later on tonight, right here on Score North, the Score North app, which is free to download. We're going to get to Dave and Jeff here shortly. A couple open phone lines if you want to chime in with your pie chart of Gophers' blame, or just talk about the state of the program. We're we're torn between the big picture is great; it's headed in the right direction. Sour taste in our mouths from Saturday six five one six four six eight two five five. But uh, it's time now for a special episode of Hot Take Cops.
2: Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in hot take court. Yeah. Bad boys, bad
3: boys. The perp in this case is Judge... Judge? judge.
4: Um, yeah, that's, I'm no Jonathan Harrison. No, no, no. I'm just, uh, just a... <clears throat> driver of the car.
3: Judge, judge Jay Zilgad. Yep. Who earlier today, Judd and I this morning... Did a special episode of the Scorn the Gophers show, and I said, "Man, looking at the bowl games, you're not going to play in the Rose. Penn State's going to play in the Rose Bowl at this point. They're just they're going to be ranked higher. They're going to play. In the yeah, it's not the, the Gophers. Out. You got the other two New Year's Day bowls that are that are sort of it's either Gophers or Wisconsin. And then there's SEC opponents. You got the Citrus Bowl, and you got the Outback Bowl. Mm-hmm. And right now, ESPN projects the Gophers in the Outback Bowl against Tennessee, and they've got Wisconsin in the Citrus Bowl against Auburn. And I said." Give me Tennessee so that you can get that 11th win. You're better than Tennessee. It's a much easier path to a New Year's Day Bowl victory. Get into the offseason on a high note. You want to feel good about you. I want to feel good. I want to, want to feel good about you. Beat, beat Tennessee, get to 11-2, and two, yep. and use that ammo all off season with your own team and with recruiting. And that's when the conversation took a turn for Hot Take Cops. Well, unlike you, I'm not playing it safe. In fact, I
4: am on the same page as one Philip John Fleck because I want to bring on a challenge. I want my student-athletes and myself to be challenged as much as we possibly can be, and knowing that we are not going to the Rose Bowl now, if you tell me that I can get the Tennessee Volunteers, who, by the way, God bless them, Scoggins loves them, Manny Hill loves them, or I can get an upper-echelon college football opponent to test my players, to give my players an idea of what it's like to play in a big-time bowl game, Not not the cute little Outback Bowl, which I thought used to be pretty good, but Tennessee's not good. Um, I am taking I am taking Auburn. And you know what I'm doing? I'm punching them right in the face, and I'm making amends for what happened against Wisconsin.
3: You know what happens when you punch Auburn in the face? And listen, I, might get knocked I hear down. what you're saying.
4: I might get knocked down.
3: Auburn, much you like Ivan Drago or Mr. T in Pick Your Rocky 3 or Rocky 4. Are you four saying they're going to kill me? Will absorb your punch with their steel jaw. Yep. And they will land 10 haymakers. I want to go against the best. From every direction. I want the best. I want but, Gus. Nah. I want to coach against Gus.
4: I, I want my student athletes to go against theirs. Sorry? I think if I'm in the college football
1: playoff, then yes, I say that. But if I'm in just some random bowl that's not the Rose Bowl, I'm just looking for an 11th win. Just give me Tennessee. Let me get that 11th win.
3: Get the 11th win.
4: You know what, You know what PJ would, would say to both I don't you guys? Want to play a good team. You know what PJ would say an win. to both of you guys? That is the most Minnesotan thing ever. We're, we're taking okay. on we're taking on tough teams.
3: Honestly, if you if the Gophers play Auburn in a bowl game, and I like, name the punishment, like I will if I'm wrong on this, if they play Auburn and they beat Auburn, then name the punishment. But if they play Auburn in a bowl game. We really Auburn the so. tears the Gophers apart. Yeah, we just talk about them. We'll get him. We'll get him. I back. still want to play him. Auburn tears I still want to. I, I want to challenge myself. But but what do you like? I'm
1: play NCAA football 14.
3: Yeah, what challenge are you looking for at this point? You know where this program stands. They popped up. They beat Penn State. It was great. They got beat by Iowa. They got beat badly by Wisconsin. Like, you know where they kind of stand. And all, people are going to say, well, Auburn has more losses than the Gophers. Okay, Auburn's probably one of the top six teams in the country <laughs> Absolutely, that yep. just beat Alabama. Their losses have been close shaves to Florida, Georgia, Georgia. And LSU, yeah, and Georgia and LSU were like toe-to-toe games. Officer, I hear you. Four best teams in the country. I hear you. Auburn, you don't want that smoke, Judd. I'm I'm trying to prevent you from spending a night in a hot take. I'm going to tell
4: you right now. I'm going to give you guys a a Fleckonian phrase here: EBA. Excellent breeds excellence. I want excellence. I love the acronyms. EBA.
1: Aren't they actually going to be real words for this to work? Excellence breeds. Excellence,
3: Eva. No, no but Eva's not the a word. That's not a word. Like hyper it is now. and family
4: and It, it is now. Roe. It's a word now. I want him. I want Auburn. All right. Put me in jail. Hot
2: take. Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Yeah.
4: You remember tap, right? Fair enough. On Friday, I, I, tap? Sorry, I forgot. Timeouts are precious? That's what it was. That didn't See, work that, out so that's well. That's a real word. That didn't you work out. That. that. didn't work out so well.
3: What's, no, the, uh, what's the, uh, the go for it on fourth and short? G-F-O-F-S. <laughs> Careful. G-F-O-F-S. We don't want to have to hit the go dump button Go for on fourth again. and short. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. All right, 651-646-8255. Six, six, five, five. Let's go to <laughs> Dave in Minneapolis. You're on Gophers Vent Line with Mackie and Judd with Rami.
0: Alright, so this uh,
2: caller, listener, at least is with Judd on this one, because if I'm a 18-year-old recruit, I want to be on the same level as Auburn instead of the same level as Tennessee.
3: But my question, my call is more like looking at the Vikings as an example. I feel like Mike Zimmer each year uh, upgrades and keeps on changing things around. How... What percentage do you uh, like? Chance do you think that PJ Fleck can adjust his coaching style to actually go for it on fourth and two, or to not use timeouts and then run for it? So, yeah. So that's my question. I'll listen off air.
4: Thanks, Thanks uh, Dave. I think he can. I I think that's experience, right? Yeah. I, I think that's. I, I'm telling you, and this is a total guess, but I'm telling you, I think one important thing as he matures as a game coach because he's what 39. He's not exactly an old guy. I think as PJ matures as a game coach, and I'm talking about Big Ten games. Which, God bless the Mac to your point from before. But my guess is when when um, things start to fly in a Big Ten game, it's a different world. I think it's a it's not easy, but I think that if you sit down, if you're Fleck, and watch the Iowa game and Wisconsin game, there's a lot of things that it, that you will think to yourself: If I can slow these things down for myself or get a, a coach to help me, I don't know, that you can do that. I What Zimmer does is Mike adjusts a lot of things as far as schemes, and I think Fleck's fine with, with that. I, I think Fleck offensively will morph things, change things, adapt. What we're talking about is in-game decisions and trying to slow the game down enough where you don't see – a play about to, uh, to be run, and it might not be the exact play. And so you're like, timeout, timeout, timeout. And then somebody comes up and says, you just blew that timeout. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think that these things are all fixable. I think they can all be changed, but they all come back to something that PJ talks about a lot, which is a potential for a learning experience that makes you better at
3: your job. Also, a book that we've referenced on this show a few times, The Extra 2% written mm-hmm. about the Tampa Bay Rays 2008 through like 2013 their rise with the lowest payroll in baseball how did they go to a World Series how did they win 90 plus games in a division with the Red Sox and the Yankees and stay that competitive with with disadvantages with roster and payroll right right and the extra two percent was all about okay the things like we've got these disadvantages what are the advantages we can gain on other teams and, and and they weren't doing this at the time but okay let's go with an opener right let's get a better first inning era little things like this. So, if the Gophers from a recruiting and a roster standpoint aren't on the level of Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, go look at the recruiting rankings. Even Wisconsin, Wisconsin's not on, Wisconsin compared to Iowa, uh, uh, compared to Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State is a tier below. And then Minnesota is a tier below that for the most part. So, if your roster is not as good, and unless, unless you think that you can get your guys just flat out more motivated or developed, at a quicker rate, right? Which right. might which might be the case as well. You have to find little advantages in these games to make up for the difference in talent or experience with a Paul a Paul Crist, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, those little advantages are going forward on fourth and down, being more aggressive in situations, uh, preserving your timeouts for the end of the game like Bill Belichick does, so that you can get that extra possession at the end of the first half, right? right. Like those are the things that are going to help put you over the top. Let's go to a. Uh, Actually, Jeff and Lakeville is a Badgers fan, and he's going to probably slap us in the face here. So go ahead, Jeff. We're an equal opportunity. <laughs> and Badger fans, listen to Score North from what we gleaned over the weekend. I saw that on That's a good. nice sign. Yeah.
2: No, I I think you just got to pump the brakes a little bit here in terms of, you know, with regard to Fleck. I, I think what he's done has been, as it was said earlier, magical. But you got to remember, prior to Barry Alvarez, really how crappy the Badgers were for 30-plus years. Yep. And he turned it around as well. But I think, I think it's all a matter of allowing Fleck to get his depth chart at three and four, where he's only at two now. Um, they're going to be tough. But I, I think Gopher fans have to pump the brakes a little bit to allow a little greater depth to take place, as well as decision-making and experience. Paul Christ has won 10 games four out of the last five years.
3: Yeah, it's all, these are all, Jeff, thank you for the the phone call. Um, In terms of pumping the brakes, I don't think, I don't think pumping the brakes is the right way to look at it. I think, I think it's fair to say that the Gophers record doesn't reflect where they stand in the college football pantheon, just because they have an extra win compared to Auburn, doesn't mean that they're a better program or a better team than Auburn. I think it's fair to say that their record is... that We've had a reality check here the last month or so, and that's fair to say.
4: And I wouldn't pump the brakes, though, because as is the same, I think, in the case with the Twins, I think that this is an exciting turn as well. Saturday's disappointing, but I don't look at that and say, oh, they're back to... Oh, man, they're going to win six games now.
3: No. I don't. No.
4: So I don't think... (laughs) This fan base here, especially from a Gopher football standpoint, I would not encourage to pump the brakes because these poor people have been pumping the brakes for how long now? Yeah, have fun. This is a positive thing. Saturday is disappointing, but it's no, it's not. It's not as if I think, well, you know what, the schedule was simple and then it got hard and they weren't good then and now they're done. You beat Penn State, you still beat Penn State. So, is this going to be a process? Absolutely. And is this team going to contend for a Rose Bowl? or a Big Ten West title every single season. I can't guarantee that. But it does seem like this this program now has taken a positive turn that I would absolutely not ask or tell people, well, pump
3: those brakes because they're not going to be good next year. No, they could be good next year. Uh, Gopher Ventline continues here on Mackie and Judd with Rami with Joe in Burnsville.
5: Yeah, this is just the beginning. I'm with look, Judd. Did he want Auburn?
3: I want Auburn. Judd wants yeah. Auburn. Bring on because, Auburn. I want Auburn because, in like two years.
5: <laughs> there, that's going to help you recruiting. This thing has turned so fast that we all of a sudden think we're a juggernaut. We're not. We have Carter, we have Antoine, and we have Jamal. Outside of that, name an outstanding defensive player. Give him two more years to develop a defense like we got an offense, and somebody better watch out. My, my only
3: comment on it. Joe, thank you there for you thank Joe? you for the phone call, man. It's a good call. Yeah. And by the if way, you get, if, you get, if you get smoked by Auburn, what does that help you?
4: Wisconsin Wisconsin spent the entire game going nowhere near Antoine Winfield Jr. Yeah. That was an incredibly if strip away which team that you're a fan of in this case, watching what Paul Christ and his staff did was incredible. It was a dissection. It really was. But there it was a was, couple
3: trick little Tricky plays in there too. They ran the a kickoff on a kickoff return. But it was
4: a dissection that, as just a flat-out football fan, I think you had to appreciate. As a golfer fan, it's difficult. But as a football fan, yeah, but it's a dissection
3: it's, that's taken place the majority of the last two decades. So uh, uh, I think let's be honest. Most of the time they don't the come.
4: Most of the time teams were, were threw a team out there against the golfers <laughs> and said, "Go do something." That was an actual game plan dissection.
3: The other thing that I really, really love the potential of is how great this rivalry could be. This is, this is a great long-time and geographical rivalry, but in terms of competitiveness and both teams being at their best, and it being on a national so, level, don't it hasn't that do Don't rent that axe out. Oh my god! Out. You rent we'll that axe out? out. There's going to be hell to pay. God, they doubled down on those ridiculous, idiotic comments too. <laughs> How it? dare you let anyone other than senior players even make eye contact with the axe? You're disrespecting the. You're disrespecting the fallen players from previous. You life, know what, you what? Paul, Paul Chris?
4: But Paul Chris got those kids to believe that he
3: did. It, it's actually a genius motivational job by Paul Crest. It's very Fleck-like. Did You see, they. They brought the axe around to joyous Gopher fans who haven't experienced joy on this level in their lives. Aren't how they, dare they disrespect dare the axe they let like, the like fans that? Fans
1: who love that axe more than these players who come in for four years. See it. Aren't I mean, these like, trophies supposed
4: to be paraded around town you if think? you get them?
3: The jug, yeah. the yeah. jug yeah. was in the studio Dude. once. Mike the, Grimm, it was great. The Stanley Cup, it was heavy. Gets guacamole put into yeah. it. Okay, <laughs> it's not all it gets put into. It. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty absurd. It's
4: pretty I absurd. I didn't say anything, Jonathan. I just said <laughs> not all that gets put into it. Well, it's what you didn't say.
3: Yeah, I know. But we all know what uh, Ovechkin <laughs> was doing with this. Oh yeah. yeah, it was more than just queso. Okay, cake stands. Yeah, which they outlawed. What with the with the cup? Yes, they outlawed it. You can't what? do a cake stand with a cup. Anymore. You're not supposed to do anymore because <laughs> it disrespects the fallen players. Oh,
4: I think they're afraid the thing was going to fall apart. <laughs> Dude,
3: there was a Badgers player after the game who literally said. It's disrespectful to all the players who played in this rivalry in the past. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. What? It's disrespectful But that's players. great because because Fleck Whatever. next year will now use that. Can we talk to Brooks Bollinger and see? Brooks Bollinger was a Badgers quarterback. Do you think Brooks Bollinger felt disrespected? That's a good question. We should, okay. we should we talk about how State okay. puts up
1: 60 on him.
3: But here's the, here's the thing that I really love about this rivalry. Because I think we're on the verge of at least a 5-10 year stretch. If Fleck stays and if Wisconsin... There's no reason to think Wisconsin's gonna <laughs> off, going to drop off, right? not anywhere, yeah. So if Flex stays and this thing is just the beginning, and you've got two teams that are going to perennially be in the top 25 or at their best in the top 15, and in this case, one of them's in the top 10. Mm-hmm. So recipe number one for a great national and geographical rivalry, both teams being good. But I think the second layer to this that that rivalries don't always have, but this one does, very contrasting styles of coaches and of even the way they play football, right? Paul Crist is this old-school, grizzled, you know, we talked earlier on the Scorneth Gopher show, he's offended by the fact that Miami would use a turnover chain and that the Gophers would bring the axe around to fans around the state of Minnesota. Like, you protect the axe. No one, no one touches the axe. I'm Paul Crist. Like, Barry Alvarez, just grizzled, old-school guys who run the football. And P.J. Fleck is flashy. He's young. He's brash. He's the, Wisconsin wears the same uniform every single week, paint dry, right? That's their yeah. style. The Gophers have a new uniform every single. They game. change them sometimes, him. and it's awful. But the the contrast is amazing, and I think if both teams are great with this type of contrast, this rivalry goes to another level we've never seen. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, I it, it's great, and and I love the fact now that
4: as as stupid as it might seem, the whole axe thing it's outstanding because now Fleck can, can say. Let's get that thing back, and let's parade it around the state more than we did the last time. Yeah. And the Wisconsin people are going to be very offended. This, if we could go back and forth on a yearly basis with Viking Packer hate to a certain degree and Gopher Badger hate, it's going to be so much fun. Yes. But this this is the payoff if the Gophers can be good for a sustained period, right? How long has it been, you know... Who hates Iowa? We hate I- Iowa. You think Hawkeye fans have cared until now? They're like, okay, you can hate us all you want. Guess what? We beat you most of the time. That was
3: actually the biggest question in and around game day from people like on the ESPN production staff, just kind of being behind the scenes. Was Okay, so you guys are playing Wisconsin today. And, and Why Iowa are all these things. We Hate Iowa chants breaking out? Yeah. 651-646-8255. Steven Shoreview, you're on the show. Mackie and Jeb with Rami, go for Ventline. line. Hey, guys. Listen,
2: uh, I'm not asking... Fleck and the fans to pump the brakes, but just remember, Pat, uh, Pat Fitzgerald won the West last year, so every year is on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, My guess is Winfield's gone. All three linebackers are gone. They're still going to have a decent offense. But I guess the ultimate question is, what's the goal? If the goal is to actually win the Big Ten championship, you can't have recruiting classes somewhere between 30 and 50. Yeah, that's I true. mean, because, because Ohio State, I'm, I'm telling you, since 1954 when Woody Hayes won his first national title, they're the only program that hasn't had a sustained dip in the last 60 plus years sure and they they're not going anywhere
3: I will They've say that uh, within the state Steve, so I will that, say that my, my stated goal is still just get to the Big Ten championship game so and call and, the Bowl? and smile while Ohio State beats you by 40. That's step one then step one they fell short of. This year, but I'll take the ten and two season. So, Steve, thank you for the phone call. We're up against a break here. I want a Rose Bowl, okay? There's still. I a, just a want gre- to be in the Rose Bowl. I think there's still a, a greater than zero percent chance that a Rose Bowl is possible, and it involves Wisconsin getting smoked by Ohio State, and whoever makes Penn the State decision just banning their program. I think it, I think it's more like, which, would football. someone say, I know Penn State's ranked higher, but Penn State got beat by the Gophers, therefore you could do some mental gymnastics to put the Gophers in, but
4: it's probably not gonna I want the Gophers in the Big Ten Championship game, they can lose there, and, and then if they go to Pasadena, I'm happy.
3: Just um, once before I die, okay? So are you? Uh, are you more about the Citrus Bowl or the Outback Bowl without knowing who the opponent is?
4: I'm, I'm more they, about the Outback they go Bowl to the citrus? bowl game for them. They went to the Citrus with Jerry Kill. Yeah, they beat... Uh, wasn't that the Georgia Tech Bowl? Yeah. No, it wasn't Georgia Tech, was it? Um no, They all run together. Outback Bowl because they haven't been there,
3: but I want the tougher team. Give me the tougher team. People are agreeing with you, by the way. Uh, I want Jeb, the tougher team. Jeb tweets in, I'm 100% with Judd. Build the kids for next year. See where we're at in terms of like playing Auburn. Anything that team.
4: challenges your coach on down, I like. And I don't think... Tennessee does. I think it's a lousy program for the most part. Sorry, yeah, they really score. Sorry, By the way, did you guys Scoggins. see that
3: uh, that uh, there was a burner account earlier today that had Mike Leach going to Ole Miss? Oh, is that yeah, where it where it came remind from?
1: me it was super disappointing when it came out that it was a burner account? Is that where, where that, got that came A ton from? of run
3: today, and, and and it makes sense. So it'd be kind of fun if Mike Leach went to Ole Miss. But... It'd be
1: great. Him in the SEC
3: is Mike Leach a good guy or not? He's a college I...
1: football coach. He's probably not.
3: Didn't he put a? He put the uh, what's his name? Uh, was it? Craig James, who's the former yeah. 39ers, tight? He put oh, his kid in a yeah, yeah, shed yeah. one time, and then he he
4: he went went after a columnist in at Washington State last week. And he's it he's happens. a weird he's a weird guy. He's funny. He's quirky, but I'm not sure he's yeah. good He's
3: probably not. Jonathan's right. Speaking of weird, quirky guys, Tom Pelissero is going to join us next from the field in Seattle from NFL <laughs> Network.
4: Network friends was out of nowhere.
3: Uh, we're going to get to Tom Pelissero his thoughts on Vikings Seahawks tonight. Also, look how far we've come with Kirk Cousins. We'll uh, we'll take a little trip back to early in the season. And we can mix in more of your Gophers thoughts and reactions uh, once Tom is off the line. 651-646-8255. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Rami is back tomorrow. We'll be back, we'll be back to uh, full strength tomorrow. So speaking of the Gophers... Federated Insurance is a proud sponsor of U of M Athletics and Turnovers for Kids. So uh, for every forced turnover by the Gophers defense, and I believe they had one forced fumble and a fumble recovery in that game on Saturday. So Federated donated $1,000 to Big Brothers and Big Sisters. They bring that same culture of service and community to your business. That is the beauty of partnering with Federated Insurance. You get 100-plus years of experience in standing behind business owners. I have been a business owner in my life. It is very difficult. You pour your life and energy into a business. I can relate to this. Uh, The last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, since the early 1900s, Federated gives business owners peace of mind in many, many different industries, auto services, retailers, wholesalers, contractors. You can go to federatedinsurance.com to find a full list of industries that Federated protects, and to find your federated representative. Federated insurance. It's their business to protect yours.
4: He really seems like a first I mean, class
3: creep, right? TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL,
2: America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three,
6: it's Mackie and Judd with Romy. You know, it was a, a, a close game. I thought our defense did a phenomenal job all game long. Unfortunately, on offense, we just didn't put up enough points and you know, lost a, lost a close one, a tough one. And so, you know, it was, it was one of those hard-fought games in a tough environment. And um, I expect this Monday night to be much the same way in terms of the environment, in terms of the challenge. But as an offense, we need to have a you know, much better outing than what we had last year. That's
3: Kirk talking about the game last year in Seattle, which did not go well. It's actually hard to go into Seattle and perform well. Not just for Kirk, but for pretty much anybody in the NFL. We'll see if the Vikings can get their biggest win of the season tonight. Watch the game anywhere you want, but come back and listen to it right here on Score North, the post-game anyways. Uh, Vikings Vent Line. Judd and I will be hosting Vikings Vent Line tonight. Let's go down to the actual field in Seattle right now where our friend Tom Pellicero, NFL Network, is standing. And uh, what is the vibe a couple hours before kickoff there? This is one of the biggest games of the year in, uh, in any respect, not just for the Vikings and the Seahawks, but this is, this, is, this is billboard stuff here for the NFL.
2: It really is. And when you look at the implications, as Mike Silver and I were just discussing a few minutes ago on NFL Network, in the entire NFC playoff picture, they're huge. One team is going to walk out of here tied for the division lead and the other team's gonna have you know be a game back and have some work to do. You know, the number one scene is still in play for both these teams. The first round bye is still in play for both these teams. But you know, as Stephon Diggs put it to me the other day, we need it. They need this game before they head into that stretch of home games uh, against teams from the NFC North. There's no question, as much as everybody tries to make every game, you know, be the same and approach it the same way, which I'm sure is true on some level, people know what the implications are of this game are and you got a gorgeous night for it here too in Seattle. Uh, contrary to the tarps that you saw in the background of my shots this morning, that was just to keep the paint dry. Uh, it's like fifty degrees, no rain, beautiful night.
4: Paint dry is very is key. Tommy, uh, does Harrison Smith? I'm told
2: they want the, they want the paint crisp. That uh, was that was when I, it was explained to me. They had a tarp over it. They had some things blowing, and the guy said we just we need the paint to be crisp.
3: And if anyone go. if anyone knows about paint drying, it's Mackie and Jeb with Rami right here on Score North. By the way. Adam, bomb,
4: bomb. Does Harrison Smith play tonight, sir? It sounds like Harrison Smith is going to
2: play tonight. Uh, you know, he's got a hamstring, so he's still got to get through yep. you know, whatever he does in pregame without a setback. But everybody I've talked to today has said their understanding is uh, Harrison is preparing to go. They're also going to have back uh, Linval Joseph, who had his meniscus trimmed a few weeks ago uh, by Dr. Chris Larson, the head team physician. Uh, he is also on tracks to return this game. Shamar Stefan who's also with this question, will just walk by me. I asked if he's good to go. He said, yes, sir. So a relatively healthy Vikings team, other than, of course, uh, wide receiver Adam Thielen, who certainly sounded on Friday in his podium session like a guy who thought he was going to play tonight. But, you know, I, I talked to Thielen for a while after that, and one thing that he said that stuck out to me was, I'm definitely not... 100%. Says in a good place, he's gaining confidence and all that, but he's not 100%. You know, the Vikings are in a good spot in terms of getting into the playoffs. They got to play the long game here still a lot of football left. They just did not feel that he's ready. There's no major setback here. It's not some secret. He's not out for the year. Right. He's just not quite ready to be back on
4: the field. So if that's the case, does playing Smith make sense? Because my concern is you just went through the same thing, and Th- Thielen tried to come back in that Kansas City game. Obviously, I think lasted a series or about three plays. Does there need to be some thought... Given here to, as key as this game is, if Smith tweaks this thing, he's probably done for four games. So I would almost think that you would err on the side of caution and say, we can't afford to to have you play, tweak it, and then miss those last four games and probably at best come back for the first playoff game, if that.
2: No, that's absolutely true, and the Vikings do err on the conservative side. You know, when Phelan played against Kansas City, he was pushing. I mean, he was pushing to play. Get back into the Detroit game, he was pushing to play on game day after being ruled out to play against the Redskins. You know, obviously he went out there, he felt the hamstring grab. Uh, we don't know the, the, you know the details on Harrison Smith's hamstring. There's a lot of different degrees you can be dealing with here, but he was able to practice in part uh, through the course of this week. Uh, you know, you would not put him back on the field if you thought there was a significant risk of him having uh, you know, a high-level setback. What's also not forget is a Seahawks team that can throw it around uh, quite a bit. We don't know. The one guy whose status we really don't know is Anthony Harris yet. I have not yet seen him out here on the field. If you were down both your starting safeties, that would be a, be a potential issue to
3: deal with here. But, again,
2: they don't, they're don't. they not going to take chances, even in a game that means as much as this one. If Ares Smith is playing, it's because they've deemed him ready to play.
3: Tom Pelissero, NFL Network. He's on the field in Seattle right now. Vikings and Seahawks in about two hours. And Vikings-Ventline right after the game is over here on Score North and the Score North app. Uh, to what degree does tonight define Kirk Cousins, Tom Pelissero?
2: I mean, listen. One of the best stats that our research people have come up all year is since 2015, so basically since Kirk Cousins became a full-time starting quarterback, he has a higher passer rating in prime time than Russell Wilson, wow. than all the two quarterbacks in the entire league. He actually has performed well overall. That passer rating is not the end-all, be-all of evaluating quarterback play, of course. Uh, but this is certainly another big stage for him. He stepped up on the last one in Dallas. He played well in Kansas City, some of the best teams that they've faced this season. It's always going to be week-to-week in terms of public perception of Kirk Cousins. But you know, I had a conversation with uh, Seahawks linebacker Bobby Wagner the other day. He would say, no, it starts like all offenses with the running game. That's what everything is built off of. It's about Dalvin Cook, the play-action game. That sets up the deep shots. And Wagner said, if Cousins is able to hit one of those, which he won't, but if he's able to hit a bomb and get that confidence, then he's a really good player. In other words, Cousins can feel it sometimes on the field. If he gets hot early in games, he can stay hot. We've also seen him. Of course, you've got to go all the way back to week four of that game in Chicago. He missed that deep shot early to Adam Thielen, and the rest of that game for the entire Vikings team just wasn't very good.
3: So I think you know the, the, the Cousins angle is always going to be a headline and a fascinating angle, and just seeing how he plays is going to be interesting tonight. But seeing how Mike Zimmer's defense handles or doesn't handle Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense is another one to watch. I mean, Tom, you look up and down, I know the Vikings have had injuries and there's some age uh regression, potentially Xavier Rhodes is a classic example, but what do you make of Mike Zimmer's defense this year compared to, say, a couple years ago when they were the number one defense in the NFL yardage-wise and points-wise, and how do you think they will attempt to handle Russell Wilson?
2: They're still highly ranked, and Anthony Harris actually just came onto the field, so I'll keep an eye on him here as we continue talking. Uh, you know, if you look at some of the, the key statistical measures, they're still pretty good. Now, I know the overall yards and the points are not where they've been in the past, but it's still a tough unit because every every week, and I've started a lot of Vikings games this year, every week when you talk to opponents about them, they talk about how aggressive the Vikings are, how disciplined, how much they vary up their blitzes and their coverages, you know, they're, they're a difficult difficult team to scheme against. Where they've gotten in trouble at times has been uh, when teams push the ball down the field on them. That's something they're going to have to deal with. The Seahawks are a vertical pass offense. That's why they can draft a guy like D.K. Metcalf. That's why Tyler Lockett can be so explosive in that offense. Uh, that's going to be, you know, a challenge for the Vikings just because of the way that Seattle plays. I mean, they're, they're still a well-coached unit. They still have a lot of good players. They have stepped up in terms of stopping the run, even with Linval Joseph out. I would say that's a good sign. They've still got depth on the defensive line. You know, Eric Wilson's now going to be one of their starting linebackers. Ben Getty had landed on injured reserve today, and they got to get healthy in the secondary. But coming off the bye for the stretch run, they are arguably healthier than they've been for most of the season.
4: Hey, Tom, What's your sense as far as potential changes that the Vikings might make in their past defense coming off the bye, too? Because, you know, clearly the last few weeks before they were struggling there, do you think that Mike spent some time in the bye trying to schematically adjust things a bit to give the Seahawks a different look?
2: Well, they're always tweaking things. You know, the scheme is the scheme, but they definitely have altered some things based on issues that they've had in the past. You go back to that Rams game last year that everybody talks about and the way that, you know, Anthony Barr got caught in a bad way a couple of times, even though that wasn't entirely his fault. They exploited the rules a little bit. Games like that had them in the offseason going back and reevaluating the scheme, different ways that they can adjust the things that the, uh, the opposing offense does. You know, within the bye, you're not, you're not overhauling things, but certainly there's going to be different wrinkles and things that they're going to throw at teams. I mean, that's what's made Mike Zimmer good for a long time is that ability to adapt what he's doing and but yeah when he got fifteen days to prepare for a game. I told you guys last week Zimmer was sitting behind me on the plane back from uh, Cincinnati last week. He was watching tape the whole time. I guarantee he wasn't just down there drinking wine, smoking a cigar in the back patio. <laughs> that. You know, that that's a dude who's always working and he knows what's at stake here in these next five games. Hunting,
4: right Tom Hunting? Yeah. M- Mike Mike looks, sits in a deer stand watches uh Watches tape and hunts. Oh, hunting. Hunting.
2: I no, hunting.
4: I well, he could punt, too, uh, if,
3: not, if he wants. A football guy.
2: <laughs> hey, he's got a lot of stuff down there on that ranch, man. He can do whatever he
3: wants. Actually, we'd love you to talk for a few minutes about the punting matchup tonight, yeah, Tom. Well, Go what ahead. do you think about uh, Tom? Talk about punting.
4: Chloe's back there, right?
3: <laughs> it's a very, it's very calm.
2: There's no wind at all. Should be a good night for the specialists.
3: Uh, hey, I have a just. Uh, there's so many things around the league too, and let, let just we'll get one more minute with you, and then get back to work out there in Seattle. But is Justin Tucker? We've talked about Adam Vinatieri as the greatest kicker of all time. Is is Justin Tucker the new greatest kicker of all time?
2: I think he's been in football for most of his career. Unbelievable. One of them is the guys in the league who is just automatic that when he comes on the field, you believe that he's making that kick. You know, there's, there's something about the mentality of it. I was in Baltimore maybe a month or a month and a half ago, and I was talking with him because a couple of their kickers, remember Corey Bedvick, who, you know, Vikings <laughs> legend Corey Bedvick was on the Ravens roster, and he had just been cut and was bouncing around. There was another former, I think Elliot Frye was also a former Ravens backup, he was working out for teams. We were just talking about, you know, that, you know, how weird of a world it is. Like you're either Justin Tucker or you're one of the 25 kickers who you have one bad day, and they're working out kickers. It just happened to Brett Maher. There's been like five kickers changes around the league this season. It's a tough tough business. You know, timing is a big thing,
3: and you got to be consistent. I mean, and he's been as consistent as anybody. Yeah, that's Tom Pelissero on the field in Seattle. He's not out of punting. Hunting. He's
4: not punting right now. No, he's working. He's going for it. It's going
2: Delvin for it. Dalvin Cook is tapping up Geno Smith five feet in front of me right now. So all the action through kickoff on NFL Network. Get in
4: there, go Make for Make sure a dab. that paint gets dry, dab. Tom. Yeah. That's the most important thing on that field right now. Better, dry paint. Better
2: be dry now. Better be dry now. Or Russell Wilson could have some issues with this please.
3: Yeah. <laughs> all right, bye, Tom. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Tom Pellicero On the field. You don't well, you don't get inside access like that. <laughs> that was a good connection. Show. That's Mackie and John. It
4: got a little dicey, but before that, that that's a good connection from on the field with Tommy.
3: It was. Um, and we can continue to mix in some more of your gophers calls. We're going to get to a couple others here before uh before we uh go to a break. But I got something. Well, you go you go first because I got, I got, Smith I got thing. something. For the you Harrison
4: too. Smith thing concerns me a lot, okay? The fact that that the Seahawks will and like to throw the ball around quite a bit. And Wilson is this good. He's got a hamstring. Didn't we just learn this? Thielen can't play, okay? I get it. This game's incredibly important. I agree. But if he tweaks this thing, Phil, he could be done for the season. I can't take that chance. This has to be... When's the last time that you just heard, ah, it's just a little hamstring. You know, it's always a fairly big deal. And if you think for one second that 22 is going to play and be like, you know what, I, I can't run.
3: I think it's a, I'll take it
4: easy. I'm I'm legitimately concerned.
3: About it this. reminds me of like every time a pitcher on a larger scale, like a pitcher has. Oh, it's just like a little. It's a slight tear yeah, exactly. of the UCL. It's just his elbow is just. Yeah, we're gonna rehab through it. I hate that. We're gonna shut him down for a couple of weeks, bring him back, go in and it Always winds up with surgery. I'm not saying Harrison Smith needs surgery, but it's never just like ah, oh, sit him with a hamstring for a week. So I'm kind of with you. I I, I don't, don't know. Is there. A very mild version of this of this uh, hamstring strain that all right he can just kind of sit <laughs> for a minute and come back. I just don't. But like the it. fact that Adam and I don't know is Adam Thielen's worse than Harrison Smith's? We don't know, but Adam Thielen has been out for a month. Had the bye week plus a day, felt pretty good last week. Late last week, and after tweaked in practice, and and so is you know does that mean that he's now he's going to be out for another month? It's, hamstrings are tough, and when you're If you're an offensive lineman and you're not full-on sprinting every play, all right, whatever, you can probably get away with it, right? If you're a safety and you're opening it up on almost every play, right, charging in to stop the run, blitzing, running backwards, wide receivers. And Smith
4: is is great because his biggest attribute, I think, is his ability to get all over the field consistently, right? Yeah. So if he opens that thing up tonight and he's going full bore and it rips or something— He's done. Yeah. Anyway, I I I think the Thielen thing is a really good cautionary tale of why you should be so careful. And I'm not saying that the Vikings are purposely not being careful, but if you go to the athlete, nine times out of ten, he's going to be like, oh, I can play.
3: I ordinarily don't share in your level of panic on this show, but I don't know if it's smart to put Harrison Smith out there. If Thielen
4: hadn't, if we weren't going through this with him right now, I'd probably say, ah, yeah, all right, chance it. But we're seeing it. Right now. And by the way, if Smith gets hurt and is out for any extended period, you're not replacing him. Like, this isn't, well, just put Irv Smith back there. Thielen's loss has hurt, but Irv Smith has emerged during the time that Thielen's been out and actually played really well, I think. And so there is an alternative there. If Harrison Smith goes out, your safeties aren't terrible, but that
3: guy is essentially, as far as I can tell, the heartbeat of your defense, and now he's gone. Uh, On the Adam Thielen front, this was what Kirk Cousins had to say about relying on other guys in Adam Thielen's absence.
6: Yeah, we have relied on some different personnel groupings. Um, I think we've asked a little bit more of like an Irv Smith, the Tyler Conklin, um, even our running backs in the past game being receivers, and they've really answered the call and shown what they can do. So you'd like to think that it gives you more versatility and more experience to lean on if we have Adam back, knowing that uh, uh, there are a few others who are battle-tested, maybe more than they otherwise would have been. I think it says a lot about our coaches, too. I think that's a great job by them to say, hey, uh, we're missing and -and so-and-so, how do we still move the football? How do we get players in a position to be successful? I think coaches have done a good job with that, and uh, you know, Monday night will be be no different, whether we have Adam or not.
3: It's pretty amazing that Kirk Cousins has been putting up some of these numbers without maybe his best wide receiver, although Stephon Diggs would. uh, I I think Stephon Diggs probably slightly above Thielen, and Thielen was targeted more last year, but I got something for you here. Yeah. All right. Aaron Rodgers owns the NFL single-season record for passer rating. Now, passer rating isn't the be-all, end-all, and there's other ways to take into context. But I think if you looked at the all-time single-season passer rating leaders, traditional passer rating, Mm -hmm. outside of Nick Foles in 2013 with the Eagles, it's a who's who list of Hall of Famers or MVPs, right? Aaron Rodgers, number one on the list, 122.5. 2011 was his single-season passer rating record. Peyton Manning in 2004 is on this list. Tom Brady... Matt Ryan's 2016 season, which went to the Super Bowl. Drew Brees, another Peyton Manning. All right. So uh, 122.5 is the single-season passer rating record. Okay. Kirk Cousins' last seven games, Mm -hmm. 126.5. Yeah. If if you take his last seven games and extrapolate that over the course of 16 games, Mm -hmm. the numbers would be 73% completions, Mm -hmm. 4,600 passing yards, 41 touchdowns and two interceptions with the all-time passer rating record. Now, asking him to duplicate this over another half of games, I get that there'd be some regression, but yes. I don't think we can I don't think we can give enough credit for the job he's done since that Chicago game, getting things on the right track, not turning the ball over, and throwing a bunch of touchdown passes when his team needs him to step up in this stretch. Like, this has been the best stretch of his career. And it's been one of the best stretches of quarterback play we've seen in the NFL the last 10 or 15 years. It's pretty amazing how far we've come. And this is why I'm so curious to see tonight. Because I think this is a game that is against the
4: defense that can be exploited, right? I think that this is a game, though, it's a Monday night game. Kirk is 0-7 in those games. And as we talked about earlier, I think that this is a checkmark game for Kirk. If he can get that first win in a Monday night game, it's a big deal. And he has gone through... And since the Giants game, checked off boxes. Yeah. And some of those have been checked off against bad teams. But you know what? You won in Dallas, prime time. And, and I know the Dallas is not as good as we probably thought going into that game. But it's still a nice win, right? If you go into Seattle tonight and win, and a year ago in the December 10th game that they played, if you go back and look, in Seattle, Russell Wilson in that game, career low, um, career low, Rating, if I'm not mistaken. yeah, He was not good. Defensively, the Vikings were great. This Vikings defense, in my mind, not going to, re- to repeat that, right? So what does this come back to now? This comes back to me that Kirk, if not having a huge game, has to have a very good game. And if Kirk has a good game here, you've turned a corner now,
3: I think. For sure. Agreed. But the thing that I feel like is getting buried in all this conversation the Seattle Seahawks, their defense is vulnerable, like you just stated, mm-hmm. but it's not just vulnerable for Kirk Cousins. There's been a few teams this year that have gashed the Seahawks on the ground as well. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, now that's a different type of running attack. That's that's a running attack where the quarterback could also run for 100 yards, so it's right. a totally different rushing attack. But uh, they gave up 199 yards rushing to the Ravens. They gave up a buck 57 and I want to say a couple of touchdowns in that game against Cleveland. Um, week six of this season. Sure. They also gave up 106 yards to the Eagles last week. And so I think it's very, very possible that Dalvin Cook could be the one that gets loose for 100-plus yards in this game, too. So I have a hard time really... I I feel like two weeks of preparation and Mike Zimmer going into a film room and making some adjustments on defense and an extra day. It's two weeks in a day, too, and that day is like 21 hours of film watching for Mike Zimmer. That's always done, I'm sure. So it's extra time. Absolutely. I just feel like... They're, I'm not guaranteeing a win, but I almost guarantee that they're going to have a fight for the Seattle Seahawks tonight, and then we'll just see. <laughs> You're not going happens. to be
4: disappointed again.
3: I don't think it's going to be a Wisconsin. I don't think Minnesota it's going to be situation. a 21 point no. loss or a 14 point loss. I don't think you get too weeks agree. to prepare like that. They shouldn't I would be, be shocked. It
4: shouldn't be. But I'm not picking them because I've decided I picked the Twins against the Yankees. I picked the Gophers against the Badgers. I'm done. I'm reversing the luck completely. So are you just not picking or are so, you picking no, the No, I'm picking Seattle. Okay. By about three points. Okay. By about three points. That's fair. I am curious though, what is the adjustment because that past defense has looked very, very suspect for what, like the last month or so? And that was the one thing, you know, I can't I guess the one thing I can't get past as far as the defense goes was how porous it looked against the Broncos at times. Too much, too. That quarterback just got benched. Like he's not good. He got benched that quick? Yeah, he he's been benched now. He's not good. <laughs> that's hilarious. No, but my point my point oh, my is that's that's the question is what can you adjust? And can you adjust enough? And what can you do to not get torched?
3: Yeah. Yeah, this is gonna be fun, man. This is this is the biggest game of the year, and the only thing that could maybe Trumpet is the game against the Packers in a few weeks. But to make that game as meaningful as it should be, you got to win this game. I think this game's absolutely huge. The Packers blinked when they lost to the 49ers. And if you blink in this one, you still, because of tiebreakers, would need to beat the Packers. And the Packers would have to lose another game. And they play just as weak of a schedule as you do. So really the only game beyond this that the Packers or the Vikings should expect to lose is the game in which they play each other. Yes. Which the Vikings should win. Agreed. It's it's, here. It's like a 60-40 game, though. Let's real quick, let's, before we get to uh, Josh here, let's mix in. Bill's been on hold for a while, and we've been taking gopher vent line calls throughout the course of the show. Bill in Plymouth, go ahead with your gopher vent line call.
2: Yeah, say I am still firmly on the gopher boat wagon. Uh, you know, <laughs> On paper, before the season started, it really looked like 2020 would be our year. We got a, a, a sophomore quarterback that
0: put, put up Heisman Trophy-like numbers. We returned the, returned the entire
2: offensive line. You know, we still have Bateman and we get Ottman Bell for more time. Ibrahim was, you know, stellar last year and, you know, didn't get as many reps because Rodney came back. I think next year looks outstanding.
3: Thank you for the phone call, and I agree. It should. You have an NFL receiver. You have a guy in Tanner Morgan who has two more years left, by the way. Yep. He should get better, too. He's a leader. Best quarterback we've seen since Adam Weber. It should look good. Yeah. Unless they play Auburn, get smoked, and have. What do you think Dejected they're going to do? Then all be like, oh, that's it. That's it for us. We're done. I, I think players P.J. will go to the
4: uh, podium game and, and be like, Whew. you know what? Typical Gophers. How about
3: this? Look at this. Doogie just tweeted out, Gophers grab a wide receiver from Florida who visited over the weekend. He was set to visit West Virginia and Miami the they next couple him. weeks. And uh, also uh, Cincinnati was high on him, and he just tweeted out, he's going to be a Gopher.'" They just just Uh, keep flocking. They keep flocking here, Phil. A million. They keep coming here. Yep, they do. It's Mackie and Jug Mm -hmm. with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. We'll get Patrick Royce's thoughts on uh, not only tonight's Viking seahawks game, but also the Gophers-Badgers game from Saturday. Jonathan here with the
1: Score North download. We're just under two hours now until kickoff for Monday Night Football between the Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks. And Kurt Warner, I'm talking about the game and talking about Kurt Cousins and what the game will come down
4: to. Here's what he said. When you look at the Seattle offense, they're not necessarily an explosive offense, an offense that goes and puts up 30 points every time out. What Russell Wilson does, and he's done it throughout his entire career, is we're going to keep the game close. Mm -hmm. You know, the game's going to be a one-possession game at the end, and then Russell's going to be Russell. That's where he is so special. Late-in games, when you need one drive to get your team a field goal, a touchdown to win a game, that's where Russell Wilson is so good, and so that, to me, is what I, I believe this game is going to come down to. I believe it's going to be a close game, and... Kirk Cousins is going to have to keep up with Russell Wilson late in the game. He's going to have to make plays to keep his team ahead or maybe make that final drive if he wants to beat Russell Wilson.
1: That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Mackey and Judd with Rami.
3: Breaking news just came across Dan Hayes from the Athletic. His Twitter account: the CJ Crone era is over for the Twins. Poor one. Out Can for it C.J. be C.J. called Cron. an era if you're only there for one year, dude? He was actually, you know what? That guy put in some work, hitting some bombs in the first half of the season. Then his yeah, thumb injury. Oh, Jonathan, his run home league run team. league team for Scornart. That's right. Uh, it's all about you.
4: Yep. You're just figuring this out. I'm just I'm disappointed. I thought we were all a team here.
3: So CJ Crone, decent. Uh, his first half, Dan Hayes put these stats out. His first half of the season, 17 home runs, 500 yeah. slugging percentage, and then uh, he he hurt his thumb in July, and he hit 229, 280 on base percentage, eight home runs. The more important discussion. So they're going to wind up saving like 7.5 million dollars or eight million dollars, whatever they would have paid him in arbitration. He made like five or six last year, and then he would have gotten a raise to like seven or eight million dollars this year. So he's gone. And when you look at their 40-man roster right now, they don't have a first baseman. I mean, Marwin Gonzalez can play some first base. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: So there's no first baseman at
3: no all? No official first baseman. But So, boy, what do you do then, Phil? I, uh, I think maybe you tell the big guy to uh, move across the diamond, Judd. Get a new glove? I think this paves the way for Miguel Snow to play first base. Don't you? Absolutely. I and actually, I like this. I don't mind this. Do you? No, I, I think this is prudent. Now, we don't know, are, do they have something else in mind? Are they, They've they been linked to Josh Donaldson mm-hmm. in free agent discussions. Now, Mike Moustakis, who's third baseman and also plays second base, he just signed a four-year, like $64 million contract today with the Reds to play second base. Correct. So he's off the board and probably sets at least an, an, an annual price tag for some of these other guys on the market. But here's my best guess. I think they move Miguel Sano off third base to first base. And then they either sign a third baseman in free agency, or they kind of patchwork in some way with Marwin Gonzalez until either Nick Gordon or Royce Lewis are ready to come up. They right now have three. I'm going to put Marwin Gonzalez in uh, in the first guy off the bench utility category. So once you take him off the list, they have three starting infielders. As long as Miguel Sano is not playing third base, I don't think you can get away with that defensively for long. Jorge Polanco, Miguel Sano, and Luis Ariz. Yep. You could put Luis Ariz at third base if you wanted to, but I think they like him at second base. Okay. So my guess is they go and sign a third baseman in free agency. Yep. And if you're wondering, well, why? I mean, Miguel Sano's got a cannon for an arm. Why would you move him off third base? You know, he made a couple nice plays last year. So I'm going to go a little bit in the weeds here, but Fangraphs quantifies defense with different metrics, okay? And right. these are metrics that teams use. I'm not going to go into like how the sausage is made. Uh but they've they've got one called ultimate zone rating. And Miguel Sano, since he came into the league in 2015, there's been 109 third basemen who've played at least 500 innings at the position, all right? 109. He ranks 95th in ultimate zone rating. It's a disaster. You can't keep him at third Wiggins-like base. Like
4: from a, a statistical standpoint before the season. Yeah. At least with yep. Wiggins,
3: there was something you could do to jumpstart him. Just watch him play third, third base. He does, he's, he's too big to play third base. Yes.
4: And he, on a high percentage of uh, of um a ball's hit to his left, I believe more so, basically sometimes will default by falling down. It's not going to work, okay? He just falls down. He just tumbles downward. He can play first base. It's fine. I, I get, and I think the discussion on Sano playing third goes back to to the old Mackey and Judd days because obviously the value is higher of the player if he's playing third base. But the one thing was the Twins were not publicly going to call out their defensive shortcomings last year, but they were there, right? Oh, for sure. We consistently saw them. It was bad. And there's no way that Falvey and Levine watched those shortcomings on pretty much at some point in time a game-by-game basis and really thought, oh, that's fine. Yeah. That works. It didn't work.
3: Yep. If he, I, th- I think Miguel Sano is your first baseman, and also like you can still put him at third base once in a while. he yeah. just got some position flexibility. You don't need. He can play twenty games. Marvin over there. can can play third just fine as well too. Yep. But yeah, you're, you're fine. But more importantly too, you don't need to spend seven million dollars on guys like Kyle Gibson or C.J. Crone. If those are if those are guys you can just kind of find like you can find a Kyle Gibson level starter by putting Devin Smelter in your rotation. You know, let's be honest, you don't need to pay ten million dollars for that. CJ Crone. So what are the Rangers doing then? It's a good question. I really would like to know. It's a really good question.
4: Hey Lance Lynn, what do you think? Sign Gibby. I like him. Okay, okay cool. How Thanks. much money? Oh,
3: 30, 3 and thirty. Sons. No good. problem. A got. We got a new uh, new ballpark. So uh so the Twins are uh, are going to be looking for a third baseman. We think that's our speculation because we think Miguel Sano is going to move to first base, but we don't have any inside Who's information. Out there? Josh Donaldson yep. is the headline name as, as a third baseman. And I think he might be too rich for their blood. Todd Frazier is 34 years old. He's just kind of a a power guy that's been around for a while. Can feel a little bit better than Miguel Sano. Uh Starling Castro as Drupal Cabrera is sitting out there, he's bounced around to a million
4: different teams. Yeah, Cleveland DFA'd him, I think halfway through last year, and Washington picked him up, and he helped Washington.
3: Okay, what about this name that we we haven't thrown out there because like oh, there's no way. Yeah, Anthony Rendon. <laughs> That'd be impressive. What if this is their big move? What if this is it? Not They're pitching the way for Anthony Rendon. Pitching.
4: What about starting pitching?
3: Well, Anthony Rendon helps you starting pitching. Well, by no, hitting question. Bombs and no question he does. But best. I'm
4: saying, are, are we talking about? A major investment in one starting pitcher then and a guy like Rendon? I think there's a chance see they land anything. Rendon. Personally I don't see it happening.
3: So I think it's more I think if they're gonna sign a position player, it's more likely that they do like a two-year deal on a Josh Donaldson than a seven year deal on Anthony. Does Frazier Rendon.
4: move the needle for you at all? Um not much for me these days.
3: He's a better defensive player than Miguel Sanoa is at third base. Yes, yeah, so or you possibly. But it Except feels your arm's not as good. It feels a little bit like a like a Joe Creedy kind of a movie, yes, it does, it?
4: and it feels like he he'd be probably on the IL by May fifteenth. Yeah, that's probably
3: accurate. Now, could I mean, could they say you know Nick Gordon's ready to rock and roll? He's going to play second base, and Luis Ariza is going to play third base, and now you got Piranha's two thousand twenty version. I don't know. Your Home but, runs would go down by quite a bit, uh, but I think you I almost, I almost think you have to plan for that. I don't think you can go into next year and say, all right, going to one up the Bomba record again. Oh, I, you can't. I do think that, you have no. to say, hey, that was great. Nelson Cruz is amazing. But that's why your defense has to improve. It does. Because of that. I honestly I go into next year honestly thinking huge drop off in home runs and if Nelson Cruz plays more than 50 games, it's a huge bonus. He's got the ligament issue in his wrist. More than 50? He's got a ligament issue in his wrist that he's not going to get surgery for. Yeah, it just for. popped out. It, it
4: popped. It's gone. And he's 40. I'm more, I'm more concerned about Byron Buxton actually playing yeah. games next season. That's what Him worries too.
3: me. Yeah. But like those guys, I think I think you have to. It's the old Bob Knight. Uh, Bob Knight wrote a book called "The Power of Negative Thinking," and it's not about just being a negative bleep all the time. It's about preparing for the worst so that you can. The story that's it. the story of my life. Okay, uh, you're just kind of a negative bleep. Actually. I'm a negative, negative guy because I know that if
4: I'm waiting, it's like Harrison Smith tonight. If the Vikings would call me, I wouldn't play him. <laughs> I wouldn't play him tonight. No way. Why? Because I want him there for the next four games.
3: Actually, the injury report should come out, the official inactive list, in like 10 minutes, I want to say. Hour and a half before game time, so, so yeah. So about 10 minutes yep, so before right. we uh, call. go off. So uh, let's bring our friend Patrick Royce into the show here because uh, there's much to discuss. But real quick, just get your thoughts on uh, C.J. Krohn and also Trevor Hildenberger. will not be. That just came across, too. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs>
5: Sorry Trevor uh, I think weekend. Trevor could be the opening day starter for the Saints, however, <laughs> so he 's got that going for him. Sure. Uh, boy, he lost it big time last year yeah i 'm not surprised i didn 't think they would tender him. Uh, I thought they might try to work out a deal with him before the before this came up, but uh, Miguel goes to first would be my guess
3: yeah uh, that 's what we said
5: there's there 's also the possibility of Kirillov uh, being there eventually because they did play him at first more than in the outfield, but uh, if you move Miguel over there, he stays over there, and you go get a third baseman, and uh, you know, we got $200 million for Anthony Rendon, what do you think? That's what Phil just said. I mean, like, I think it, you guys are smoking some
4: high-quality dope right there for you, but I mean, it'd be
5: a heck of a pickup. It ain't
3: my money, oh. but I'll spend it.
5: Yeah, what, uh, what? What? what's the number? What are they saying it's going to be on him? 30 a year? Is it going to be 30?
3: Yeah, I think... Well, part of it's going to be, I'm guessing they're going to front. Whoever signs him is going to want to spend the majority of the money up front because he's 30 years old, but we'll see how that works out.
5: Boy, you can hit the hole, oh, man. You know what I love, don't you like, is you know, his presence, too. This, this guy is unflappable. Yes, uh, yes. He's uh, in a hell of a third baseman. But, of course, we got my Matt Chapman trade to make, too, and that'll take care of third base. Don't worry about but that. But you're giving up Barrios, though, right? In that trade? No, I don't want to. I got to get I got to get uh, you know, their kid, their their best young pitcher back. I'm not giving them up. It's not a two for one, that's for sure. I'm giving up Buxton and somebody else. I don't know who. Yeah. But yes. I don't think it's going to happen. But it would uh it would be uh interesting. I don't know. They don't you get the impression they're going to do something that impresses us? Yes.
4: I think they need to, yeah.
5: Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure what it's gonna be. I just be, can't but, decide if it's pitching or not.
4: Which I think it uh, might be. I
5: don't know. What's do we uh do we have a parade for Baumgartner or do we just say good?
3: I think I mean I have a parade. You guys can join yeah, if you Phil's want gonna, I, I, I think they, Phil and PJ uh, Fluck are gonna have
4: a parade for him. I think Bumgarner
3: mm-hmm. goes to there's like ten organizations that kinda know what they're doing with pitchers and the twins are one of them right now, and I think he I think he gets a lot better with one of those ten teams.
5: Well, uh, yeah. Okay. But uh, anyway, this is no. It doesn't surprise me. He, uh, you know, he got he got the bad thumb, and he did level off. He was he was off a good. He helped him get off to that good start. There's no doubt no doubt about it. There was a point where you thought he was going to knock in 120 runs. He was uh, driving them in like crazy. He was a good player for them. He he really and Judd Je- uh, and I were uh, Derek and I were talking about this earlier today. He really. Fell off in the field too the last six weeks or so, didn't you think? Yes. He, he, big way. Didn't didn't make as many plays in the field, but they got a good year about them. They don't have anything to complain about.
3: Yeah. So all right, Pat. A uh, couple couple football games to talk about. One that happens in an hour and a half, and the other one that happened on uh, Saturday. So you you pick which one you want to start with.
5: Well, uh, tonight I would say uh, I think, in my opinion, Seattle might be the third best team in the NFL. Uh, you know, behind San Francisco and Baltimore right now, and uh, but they do have their flaws. Their defensive, their offensive line. Even though you look at the names, the names aren't bad, but they haven't played that well. They've uh, what uh, a guy as mobile as Russell has been sacked thirty-five times, which is a, a big number. But and they don't. They certainly are flawed. Their running backs aren't much, and their receivers are a little thin. But I think uh when you throw in the fact of the way they play defense uh i I think they're really good, and uh I would be surprised if the Vikings won, but that said i I think the Vikings are one of the five or six best teams in the NFL. And uh, whether they win or lose tonight, I, I think that uh, they're still going to... I don't think they'll lose again, whatever happens tonight. I think they'll end up 12-4. and four and uh, they shouldn't. And I think the Packers are going to get themselves a loss somewhere that you don't expect them to have. I think the Packers are... I still see the Packers as marginal. And uh, I still see the Vikings, whether they win or lose tonight, winning the division. So. Because they're going to beat the beat the Packers and beat them soundly when they play here, and uh, I, I can see this Packers slipping up uh, on the road somewhere against the Bears or somebody.
4: And Gophers, Badgers.
5: Well, I. Um... I think the line play was the big difference. I mean, the Gophers uh, certainly didn't have their best day coaching, but uh, the Packers, the Badgers have a better offensive line and a better defensive line, which uh, has a tendency to uh, decide games. And then in that case, it certainly did. I thought that, uh, you know, the Bikie, the Gophers loaded up to stop Jonathan Taylor, and they did it, but they cre- they created a lot of other openings by uh, doing that defensively. And the, uh, the the they put no pressure at all on the quarterback and they let him they let a a quarterback who's certainly a confident kid, not an overly talented kid, uh rip him up for two hundred and eighty yards and they didn't put any pressure on him whatsoever. And uh, then there were some really uh, wonderful play calls by uh, by Wisconsin and that screenplay was as that's as far that's as far down somebody's throat as you can stick a play that seventy yard screen pass, yeah. and as as I've been saying uh today they uh, they sat on that one for the whole game, waiting for they knew that one was there the whole game when the vikings when the gophers played that certain defensive set, and uh, they ran it and as i said uh today uh that was a seventy yard play with a white guy running <laughs> that one was so open for God's sakes, that wasn't even Jonathan Taylor.
3: Uh-huh. yeah I mean that was that that sort of felt especially in the second half like Wisconsin had been hearing for weeks and weeks about the new sheriff in town, the gophers, and they uh they wanted to say actually uh we've built this thing for twenty five or thirty years, and we've got some coaches who are pretty smart and some players who are pretty good and I don't. The yeah, one thing. The one thing that was annoying is like how much they made a big deal out of the Gophers disrespecting the axe for the last twelve months by bringing it around the state of Minnesota. But whatever. Well, gets you I think
5: renting it out and things like that. But I can see how that they sold that pretty good. I mean, that uh, if I'm a coach, I can sell that angle pretty good. They've won. They've had this thing once in fifty years, and they're renting it out. They're acting like they own it. And uh, I, I would think you could get a team fired up about that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think they he did. He clearly did. Paul Chris did. did a great
4: job of that. Uh, fourth and two at the Wisconsin, 35 up by seven. Don't you have to go for it?
5: Idiotic, Not to. It was, I don't know. I've Even though he'll never... He'll never second-guess himself publicly, uh, Coach Fleck, even though he says this is all on me, but then he never takes responsibility for any of his screw-ups. He, You know, specifically, when asked about him, he never admits he screwed something up. He's a very disingenuous fellow in that uh, area, that's for sure. By this nonsensical, hey, this is all on me, it's all my fault, and oh, no, I didn't screw up running on the field, and I didn't screw up on fourth and two, and I didn't screw up calling timeout and running a sweep on third and 10. Uh, and uh, it was idiotic. It was it was it was unexplainable to not uh, go for it there. Yeah. You have a seventy percent chance of making those two yards with the, with the talent you have on that team. It was idiotic. With, it wasn't the only idiotic thing they did on that yeah, on Saturday.
3: With no real risk either, and I and I get that like you could fumble or throw an interception. You could do that on any play. I'm, I'm talking about the field position risk was almost zero. Yes, and
5: there's none. There's and, none. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it at all.
3: And don't you think well maybe I mean you check me on this if I'm wrong. I, I agree the Badgers uh they outplayed the Gophers on the line of scrimmage. The Badgers outcoached the Gophers, but in that moment you're already up seven nothing. If you go up if you go for it on fourth and two and you go up ten nothing or if you go up fourteen to nothing, I think the game's different. Even though the Badgers are better, that's a huge hole to dig out from underneath. Oh, hell and yes. you gave it right yeah, back I mean, to them. They-
5: you think the Badgers were after seven and zero? After it's seven zero? After the McGoverns have run two plays? You think they're as confident as they were when the game started? No. You you got them on the ropes right now, and you go for it, and they're now they're uh, they're looking around at themselves all day long. If you if you you that's the only time all day you had momentum, and you didn't accept it. So yeah, I I, I can't I can't believe the T... Talked himself into punting there. Uh, so, so, what if you got him down on the 10 yard line? I mean, exactly. I, you know, I, 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 I can't figure it out. I, I don't understand it. And I wish he would have explained it to us instead of making a, a dumbass excuse. And if he would have just said, Yeah, I wish I had I had to do it over again, we'd all feel. And by the way, let me point out this I don't complain about him not beating himself up for decisions publicly. I. Complain about him saying he puts it all on himself and then putting none of it on himself when he's called on some of these plays. That's what I get upset about. Just shut up about the. Don't throw in that platitude every week like it means something when it doesn't mean anything that uh, it's my fault we lost.
4: Uh, bowl game. I want the tough team, Auburn. Mackey well, wants th-
5: the vols. What do you think? Well, I think that. You know, there's. It depends upon how You know what you want to what you want to prove or not. But the Citrus Bowl is a better bowl game than the Outback Bowl uh, in the pecking order. Anyway, it pays more money. Not that it makes any difference because the Big Ten splits it up. But uh, uh, I can't believe Tennessee is going to get up as mediocre as they are. They're actually going. I don't think it's going to fall that way. I don't. I no. don't think. Okay. Uh, I don't think you're going to. Uh, I don't think you're going to get Tennessee in a bowl game. I think they'll come up with somebody else for that game. I, I just don't see Tennessee as a, a viable... Uh, you know what really does make the bowl pitcher goofy, though, is there's no ACC teams. I mean, everybody stinks. Clemson and the the 13 <laughs> Dwarfs. So there's really no... Uh, the true. uh Yeah. There's none of those teams floating around, so maybe a team like Tennessee can get to the uh, outback bowl, but I think it's... Uh, I, I don't think. E- either way, I I think Auburn certainly would be the level of anticipation would be greater, wouldn't it? To find out if he can compete with a team like beat Alabama.
3: <laughs> that's <laughs> what Judd wants. Good. That's I what mean. I
4: yeah, that's what I'm uh, angling I, I for. I wonder
3: is there a path is there a path to Gophers Alabama in one of these bowl games?
5: I don't know. Where's where do they think Alabama's going?
3: I'm trying to find on the ESP so ESPN has two different prognosticators. Orange bowl, maybe, I don't know. They've got Alabama in the Cotton Bowl for one of them. And so they basically have Alabama behind LSU, Georgia and Auburn. And uh I don't yeah, know.
5: Yeah, well, the, uh, that's why I'm not sure Auburn is going to go to the Citrus Bowl our, 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 Auburn may go to the Orange Bowl or the you know some game like that. Uh, right. What are the the Peach and the
3: Sugar or the who are the 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 Fiesta and the Fiesta. Peach are the semifinals. Fiesta and the Peach. Yeah. Okay.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I think that everybody's throwing darts right now. I I think the golfers are probably gonna. I think the golfers will end up in the Citrus Bowl, and I don't think that it would be against Auburn because I think Auburn's too good to play in that yeah. game. So.
3: The other one here, there's uh, there's one projection on ESPN.com that has Alabama playing Virginia in the Capital One Orange Bowl, and I don't know why I just said Capital One. You know but who doesn't want to
5: play that game, don't you? Who's that? Virginia. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, probably true. Do they have to take an ACC team? Because there is no other ACC team. I think I read that they only have to take an ACC team four out every five years. That they can take somebody else and, and they'll try to take Notre yeah. Dame or somebody like that, won't they? They're trying to get out of taking a second place. Notre hey, Dame 18.
3: to the Camping World Bowl. Pat, we got 10 seconds, we got to go, but we'll talk to you tomorrow and recap Vikings Seahawks. Alright, See, right. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Wrapping with Roycey. Hey, watch the Vikings game anywhere you want tonight. Come back, listen to us on Vikings Ventline, Mackie and Judd edition of Vikings Ventline, right after the final whistle on Score North and the Score North app.